0: Book Two. Chapter Ten. Of History of the Reformation in the Sixteenth Century. Volume One. By Jean Henri Mel d'Aubigny. Translated by Henry Beveridge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten. Relations of Luther with the Elector. Counsels to the Chaplain. Duke George. His Character. Luther before the Court. Dinner at Court. Emser's Supper the same courage which luther displayed in presence of most formidable evils he displayed in the presence of the great the elector was much pleased with the vicar-general who had made a good collection of relics in the netherlands luther gives an account of it to spalatin there is something curious in this affair of relics occurring at the moment when the reformation is about to commence assuredly the reformers had little idea of the point at which they were to arrive a bishopric seemed to the elector only a fit recompense to the vicar-general luther to whom spalatin wrote on the subject strongly disapproved of it many things replied he please your prince which however displease god i deny not his ability in the affairs of the world but in what concerns god and the salvation of souls i account him sevenfold blind as well as his counsellor Pfeffinger. i say not this behind their backs like a slanderer don't hide it from them for i am ready to say it personally to both why continues he would you environ this man with all the whirlwinds and tempests of episcopal cares the elector did not take luther's frankness in bad part THE PRINCE, SAYS SPALATIN, AND A LETTER TO HIM, OFTEN SPEAKS OF YOU, AND WITH MUCH RESPECT. FREDERICK SENT THE MONK STUFF TO MAKE A CASSOCK OF VERY FINE CLOTH. IT WOULD BE TOO FINE, SAID LUTHER, WERE IT NOT THE GIFT OF A PRINCE. I AM UNWORTHY THAT ANY MAN SHOULD THINK OF ME, FAR LESS THAT A PRINCE SHOULD, AND SO GREAT A PRINCE. THE MOST USEFUL PERSONS TO ME ARE THOSE WHO THINK THE MOST ILL OF ME return thanks to our Prince for his favour, but I know that I desire not to be praised by you or by any man, all praise of man being vain, and the praise which cometh from God alone being true. The excellent chaplain did not wish to confine himself to his court functions. He desired to render himself useful to the people, but, like many of all times, he wished to do it without giving offence he not only wished not to irritate any one but on the contrary to conciliate general favour point out says he to luther some work which i may translate into our mother tongue a work which will please generally and at the same time be useful agreeable and useful replies luther the request is beyond me the better things are the less they please what is more salutary than jesus christ and yet to most he is a savour of death you will tell me that you wish to be useful to those who love what is good in that case just let the voice of christ be heard you will be agreeable and useful depend upon it but it will be to a very small number for the sheep are rare in this region of wolves luther however recommended to his friend the sermons of Tauler i have never seen said he either in latin or our own tongue a sounder theology or one more agreeable to the gospel taste and see how sweet the lord is but be it after you have tasted and seen how bitter everything is that is ours it was in the course of the year fifteen hundred and seventeen that luther entered into communication with duke george of saxony the house of saxony had then two heads the princes ernest and albert carried off in their youth from the castle at altenburg by kunz of kaufungen had by the treaty of leipzig become the founders of the two houses which still bear their name the elector frederick the son of ernest at the period of which we write was the chief of the ernestine branch while his brother duke george was the chief of the albertine branch Dresden and Leipzig were in the states of the Duke, who had his residence in the former of these cities. His mother, Sidonia, was daughter of George Podiebrad, King of Bohemia. The long struggle which Bohemia had maintained with Rome from the days of John Huss had had some influence on the Prince of Saxony, and he had often shown a desire for a reformation. He has sucked it from his mother, it was said he is by birth an enemy of the clergy he in various ways annoyed the bishops abbots canons and monks insomuch that his cousin the elector was more than once obliged to interpose on their behalf it might have been supposed that duke george would be a warm partisan of the reformation devout frederick on the contrary who had once put on the spurs of gregory in the holy sepulchre girt himself with the great ponderous sword of the conqueror of jerusalem and taking an oath to combat for the church like a bold knight might have been expected to prove one of the most eager champions of rome but when the gospel is in question the anticipations of human wisdom are often at fault the result was the opposite of what might have been supposed the Duke would have taken pleasure in humbling the Church, and those connected with it, and lowering the bishops, whose princely train far surpassed his own. But to receive into his heart the evangelical doctrine which must have humbled it, to acknowledge himself a guilty sinner, incapable of being saved, unless, through grace, was quite a different matter. He would willingly have reformed others, but he had no desire to reform himself he would perhaps have assisted in obliging the bishop of mentz to be contented with a single bishopric and have no more than fourteen horses in his stable as he himself repeatedly expressed it but when he saw another than himself appear as reformer when he saw a mere monk undertake the work and the reformation gaining numerous adherents among the humbler classes the haughty grandson of the Hussite king became the most violent adversary of the reform of which he had at first promised to be a partisan. In July 1517, Duke George asked Staupitz to send him a learned and eloquent preacher. Staupitz sent Luther, representing him as a man of great learning and irreproachable character. The prince invited him to preach at dresden in the chapel of the castle on the feast of st james the elder on the day fixed the duke and his court proceeded to the chapel to hear the preacher of wittemberg luther gladly seized the occasion to bear testimony to the truth before such an assembly he took for his text the gospel of the day then came to him the mother of zebedee's children with her sons matthew twenty verses twenty to twenty five he preached on the wishes and rash prayers of men then dwelt strongly on the assurance of salvation making it rest on this foundation that those who hear the word of god with faith are the true disciples whom jesus christ has elected unto eternal life he next treated of eternal election, showing that this doctrine, when exhibited in connection with the work of Christ, is well fitted to calm the terrors of conscience, and so, instead of disposing men to flee from God, allures them to seek their refuge in Him. In conclusion, he brought forward a parable of three virgins, and drew a very instructive improvement from it the word of truth made a deep impression on the hearers. Two in particular appeared to give earnest attention to the discourse of the monk of Wittenberg. The one was a respectable-looking lady who sat in one of the court pews, and whose features bespoke deep emotion. It was Madame de la Salle, grand-mistress to the Duchess. The other was Jerome Emser, a licentiate in canon law and secretary and counsellor to the duke. Emser was a man of talent and extensive information. A courtier and able politician, his wish would have been to please both parties at once, to pass at Rome for a defender of the papacy, and at the same time figure in Germany among the learned men of the age. But under this flexible spirit a violent temper lay concealed." thus luther and emser who were afterwards repeatedly to break a lance met for the first time in the chapel of the castle of dresden the dinner-bell having rung for the inmates of the castle the ducal family and the persons attached to the court were soon seated at the table the conversation naturally turned on the preacher of the morning how did you like the sermon said the duke to madame de la salle "'Could I again hear such another discourse?' replied she. "'I could die in peace.' "'And I,' replied George angrily, "'would have given a good sum not to have heard it. "'Such discourses are good only to make people sin with confidence.' The master, having thus stated his opinion, the courtiers proceeded without restraint to express their dissatisfaction. Every one was ready with his remark some alleged that in the parable of the three virgins luther had had three ladies of the court in his eye on this the talk was endless they rallied the three ladies who they affirmed that luther had intended he is an ignorant blockhead said one he is a proud monk said another each had his comment on the sermon making the preacher say whatever he pleased THE TRUTH HAD FALLEN INTO THE MIDST OF A COURT ILL PREPARED TO RECEIVE IT. EVERYONE TORE AT IT AT PLEASURE, BUT WHILE THE WORD OF GOD WAS TO MANY AN OCCASION OF STUMBLING, TO THE GRAND MISTRESS IT WAS A STONE, ELECT AND PRECIOUS. FALLING SICK ABOUT A MONTH AFTER, SHE CONFIDENTLY EMBRACED THE GRACE OF THE SAVIOUR AND DIED REJOICING. In regard to the duke, perhaps the testimony which he had heard given to the truth was not in vain. However much he opposed the Reformation during his life, it is known that in his last moments he declared that his only hope was in the merits of Jesus Christ. It naturally fell to Emser to do the honours to Luther in his master's name. He accordingly invited him to supper. Luther refused, but Emser insisted, and constrained him to come. Luther only expected to meet a few friends, but he soon perceived that a trap had been laid for him. A master of arts from Leipzig, and several Dominicans, were with the prince's secretary. The master of arts, who had an overweening opinion of himself, and a deep hatred of Luther, accosted him with a bland and friendly air, but he soon broke out and screamed at full pitch, the battle began. The discussion, says Luther, turned on the absurdities of Aristotle and St. Thomas. At last, Luther challenged the Master of Arts, with all the erudition of the Thomists, to define what it was to fulfil the commandments of God. The Master of Arts, though embarrassed, put on a good countenance. "'Pay me my fees,' says he, stretching out his hand, "'da pastum.' one would have said he was going to give a lesson in form, mistaking the guests for his pupils. At this foolish reply, adds the reformer, we all burst a-laughing, and the party broke up. During the conversation a Dominican had been listening at the door, and would fain have come in to spit in Luther's face. He refrained, however, though he afterwards made a boast of it. Emser, who had been delighted at seeing his guests battling while he seemed to hold a due medium, hastened to apologize to Luther for the manner in which the party had gone off. Luther returned to Wittenberg. End of Book Two, Chapter Ten.